again, and welcome to another episode of PFL, Pod for Life. I am your host, David Ubbin, here with my co-host, Joe Rexroad. Uh, Joe, the uh, biggest recruiting week of the year uh, has, well, second biggest, I suppose. We'll yeah, get into this is number two, David. I, I call, you know, we just had what I will call the late signing period, uh, because college football is in such a weird spot, because uh, the excitement is so muted in February. You kind of felt it this week. Uh, you signed... 19, 20 guys in December, and then you get to February, you got two more. Uh, yeah, plus, in December, you know, it's the holidays, people are busy, the season's still going on, you got bowl games. Uh, there's nowhere for people to sort of, there's no holy day of recruiting like there was, where last week is clear there's nothing else happening in the sport, right. but it's just there's only a handful of guys that people really care about, or, or you're trying to close out a class like Tennessee is. I mean, I think 85% of the top. You know, 100, 200, 300, 400. Yeah, that's a, a pretty high number. Um, it already signed, so the, the drama is not there. Uh, y- you know, so like I said, there's no huge day. Uh, however, Tennessee, once again, closes strong. Malachi Weidman, D. Beckwith, pair of receivers, uh, who are supposedly going to try and play basketball too. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, you hear that a lot. I am, uh, I am skeptical, but we'll see. Uh, anyway, we'll see how real that becomes. But I have some big-picture thoughts on the class in a minute. But what did you make of Tennessee? Consensus top ten national class uh, still third in the East, seventh in the SEC. What did you take away from this class? David, all my recruiting opinions will be based on articles of you, from you, <laughs> that I read, of course. Uh, but, no, I mean, I thought you hit on a good thing with, you know, at, the speed is, is the thing that, of course, is at a premium right now. The line of scrimmage looks pretty good. For this team moving forward, the line of scrimmage is, I mean, that, you know, in the SEC, I mean, you've got to be at a certain level. I still don't know in terms of getting after the passer. Some guys have to emerge there, but obviously that offensive line looks awfully good. I think it's good to add these receivers late, and you know, there's going to be a lot of competition at a very important position, giving them, you know, some playmakers downfield and some young guys who I think are going to step up who are already on the roster. It's also amazing to think that you could have a class this well thought of nationally and still be third in your own division, which is the weaker division in your own league. That's what that's it is crazy. Like, you know, you just uh, this is life. Now, I think and I think we talked about this a little bit in December, though. The one caveat I will say with that is the difference between a top three class and a top ten class. I think it's very different, but I think the difference between a top five class and a top 10 class, I don't think is that wide. Uh, I think when you start comparing Tennessee's class to Georgia, you might be looking around going, ah, great. But you compare it to Florida. Yeah, you compare it to Florida, you know, they they can be okay. Uh, I think I have two major thoughts coming off of this class. Uh, First off, I think the biggest thing is that this roster is no longer at the point where they're leaning on guys to come in and say, hey, you got to be a freshman all ACC. You got to be a freshman American right now. Last year, the minute that you get a commitment from Wanya Morris and you get Darnell Wright at the last second. You guys are starting. Exactly. You, you know, you got to come in and earn it, but like the assumption pretty much played out during the season is man, they need help on the line, and Wanya and Darnell are immediate fixes. And you, you gotta, they've got to be good, they got to hit. You don't have that in this class. You have some guys who can contribute, but there is not a guy in this class that you're going to say, oh, they got to be the guy right. right away. You know, Henry Toto came in and earned that. Last year, um, they had some depth, and, and he, <laughs> because of his his uh, 
excellence legitimately. I mean, they, they all of a sudden didn't have depth. Well, they had at, injuries, and he said yeah. he had, but obviously he was red. Yeah, but you you look at this year, you know, maybe Martavius French, Bryson Easton, a couple Memphis guys, maybe they've got to be in the rotation. But you're not asking them. You're going to have to play constantly. And that, I think, that's a step for the program, getting to that point. There's a lot of steps that Tennessee's got to get back to to be where they want to be. But that's a, that's the first thing. And that's one thing I think I take away from this class is you look at that class, you got a, a lot of guys who can who are, look like good players and, and can be contributors, but there's no one that's signing and is going to show up to campus and being like, hey, you got to be the guy at this position. Which also means as you move forward, you do then have less of the you can come right in and play to sell, which True. is something that has been – you know, a benefit for Jimmy Pruitt. It's a benefit for any coach taking over a new program. You have that. You have playing time. Now, yeah. we, we've talked about that before, and actually when we had a podcast with Andy Staples back in Gainesville, <laughs> you want guys who don't care about that. You, you know, you want guys who who aren't jumping at, oh, I, I think I can play earlier here, or just like, yeah, I'm just good enough to go ahead and just play. Don't worry. And, and, and I think they are getting a lot of guys in that category. Yeah, and I think, too, you know, it's worth noting, too, that, that while you do have those guys, sometimes if you do sell that, you're going to miss on some guys. You know, I, I went over to Knox Catholic um, for a story that we wrote at The Athletic, kind of talking about how Tennessee had built uh, that little pipeline with Tyler Barron, Cooper Mays, and, of course, bringing Cade Mays back. And the one thing Tyler Barron said pretty explicitly to me was, you know, he watched them at 1-4, and four, he's like, they cooled off. Like, he's like, it was basically just like he wasn't that interested when they cooled off. He saw what they did later in the season, and – started taking them a lot more seriously. But I think when you can show, hey, we've been selling this vision on the recruiting trail for two years, and one and four is, you know, there the, there was not I, – I never thought that Pruitt was going to have some serious issues in year two, but year three looks like, a, you know, you better win nine games or you're gone. You're now year three, there's not really a lot of, like, you know, it's hard to envision a scenario where Pruitt's coaching for his job at any point in year three. And Until so he's one and four again. <laughs> exactly. Next year, and it's but like, you got to three. Yeah, exactly. But, but yes. you have you have uh, you've you've that six in a row beyond the wins. I think it speaks to the you know your your favorite word culture or people <laughs> understanding that this is kind of working um, for them. Um, that the guys stayed invested and, and you get different guys like a Tyler Barron. That would have been a huge loss. I mean, Jay Hardy was the biggest loss in this class by far. Uh, the Chattanooga kid who who they lost to Auburn. Todd Barron would have been a big one. His dad's on staff. <laughs> like that, that would have been a huge loss. And so you get those guys now. And so I think it's you can still sell some different things. Um, and, and even though you lose that 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 part of it, you know, you gain, uh, you know, selling that. Hey, this vision that we're selling, you know, the guys are believing in, where we're showing some some tangible effects of that. Well, and again, you want guys who are who are more interested in. Okay, I can see it, and this is winning. I want to be part of the winning more than there's an opportunity for me. You know, I mean, you want. Yeah. You, look, everybody should look at all of it, but I think that uh, team success, no question, uh, has to be a big part of this. And, and you, you want you want guys who care a lot about winning. My other thought is this, and I'm fascinated by this because I think, you know, Bud Elliott at, at SB Nation, uh, I believe he coined it, but it's, it's a stat called blue chip ratio. And he's, re, he's researched this. Essentially it is this. Have you signed – more five and four stars than you've signed three and two stars. If that ratio is in favor, you have a chance – over four years, you have a chance to win a national championship. Yeah, very, year, very few programs can Last year, I think there were 16 teams. No one – I'm blown away that there are 16, Yeah, honestly. last year, 
uh, going back there, yeah, there's 16 last year, but going back to the history of basically modern recruiting where they can track this, no one has ever won a national championship without having that blue chip ratio in their favor. Back to Tom Lemming as a mailman. <laughs> I believe and, so. You know, the early 80s. You know, so granted, that obviously is not a guarantee, but there's a baseline of talent that you have to have to be where you want to be. Now, Tennessee barely misses being a top 10 class last year. They are a top 10 class this year. Consensus basically right on that line. Now, people can sort of hand-ring over the ranking. I think that's true, but I think blue-chip ratio for where Tennessee want wants to go is an interesting number. Now, Tennessee's 2019 class, 12 guys that are four or five stars, 10 guys that are two or three stars. You've, you've won the ratio there. Tennessee's 2020 class, 13 four or five stars, and nine two or three stars. That's two full classes for Jeremy Pruitt that have gone into that ratio that you're looking good. I, you know, no team again that that is able to that has had that ratio in their favor for four years has ever won a national championship. If you haven't had that. No, I'm sorry. You said no team that has not had. That. Yes, if you have not had that blue chip ratio in your favor for four straight years, you cannot win a national championship. It has never been done. You have not. It yes. has not been. It done. has not been. Don't done. say it can't be done. <laughs> it can't be done. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so Pruitt's two classes indicate that the baseline talent that you have to have. Now, there's always lots of other factors that go into that. I uh, go on for hours and hours about some of these exactly. two stars are going to be better than the five stars. Exactly. Yes. This, the yes. stars don't matter, you got to go with the yeah, – <laughs> no, we got to get Ari Wasserman on this pod if there's so many stars don't matter, folks. But, yeah, <laughs> anyway, you got to keep doing it. But I think as the program gains momentum, I don't know that there's going to be a situation with a guy that recruits as voraciously as Tom – or as, as uh, Jeremy Pruitt does um, that, that – you know, that, that they wouldn't do that. What do you make of Tennessee through two full recruiting classes being on the right side of that? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's significant. Look, I'm, I'm – this is like so many arguments, David, the, <laughs> the, the far one way and the far the other way. Um, if you want to go back 10 years and look at a top 100 list of football recruits from 2010 or whenever you want to go back and, and go back and look at a top 100 from basketball, you will find that you know 90 of the basketball names. You will find that you don't know 70 of the football names. I, I promise you. I've True. done it. But that still does not mean overall, over time, it's obvious. There's obviously a correlation. I mean, you can't say mm-hmm. the stars don't matter. Of course they matter. It's just that there are there are certain programs that have been able to kind of defy recruiting rankings. And I've seen, I've seen it up close both ways in terms of, underperforming and overperforming based on that. So that, you know, there's a lot of other factors, um, but ultimately you want to be, you want to be on this side of things. You want to have, yeah. if you have six, five stars, well, three are probably going to pan out. And, and again, five stars to me also is different. Those are, there are some five star recruits every year who are like, you absolutely know what they are. Mm-hmm. It's hard in football because most everyone, everyone has to develop but you know, a lot of the four-star guys and three-star guys, you know, they can switch spots easily. That's easily, right? But the high, at the very top level, the five-star, those are that, like that's Jadavion Clowney. Yeah, there's only like 30 It's like, okay, I'm pretty sure he's going to be good. <laughs> you know, Julio Jones, I think he might be all right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so look, fives to me, that indicates you may have someone who it's just everyone wanted. You know. So, yeah, look, overall, if you are piling these up, these numbers up, that, that speaks well of your chances to, to move forward as a program. It does, and I think it, it puts you in, in a position to do some things, and I think obviously the previous staff development, clearly an issue. We've only had two seasons of data 
with this staff, but I think when you look at the way the guys have progressed, I mean, pretty strong results. You, you know, I think the cornerbacks this year would be the only place where you would say, I don't know. Bryce Thompson obviously had some issues. Elante Taylor did not have a great comeback yeah, oh, year. Yeah, he had a tougher year for but sure. But you look at some of the guys that they got their hands on, a Nigel Warrior, new man this year. Yeah. Uh, he's a huge – and Daniel Batuli – sort of a better version of himself. Um, you know, Juwan Jennings in some ways. Um, a, a huge year for him. Um, so the development looks like it's been there. And, and whether it is or not, the workload and what they're asking the guys to do in the offseason is there. And I think it, it wasn't there previously. Uh, you know, again, I wasn't here when the Butch Jones hair was here. But some of the stories you hear about that time and some of the things you hear is is, is wild. Well, in, the, wild. in that area in particular, the strength, yes. the strength area, which Insane. is such, such a huge area. Insane. And I, and I think, listen, I've been around a lot of programs. You always hear, no, the new strength staff. Like, they're, they got these guys going. Listen, I, it's not about the strength staff so much as just, like, the time guys are spending and the program that they, that they are in. I mean, I, I think this staff – it never suits you that well to just bury the previous staff that you took over. But I think this staff mo- certainly was surprised at just how bad it was coming in. And I think they have at least reached the point when you talk about flipping the roster, developing guys, getting in that strength program, that there's not a lot of positions on this roster where it's just a disaster. There's some weak spots, but they're competent in most areas. Whereas you look at 2018, I mean, you can start with the offensive line. And a handful of other positions where they're just playing guys because they have to, basically. Yeah. Well, and, and, and the thing is, and I think that's where – because, look, you're inevitably going to compare Pruitt and Butch Jones. And, you're like, this year, you know, the record will probably be comparable to, like, Butch Jones in 2015. Probably. And so we can sit there and say, so how much progress will really be made? <laughs> but this, here, this is where I, I think we both think, well, there is progress and, may, and there should be a p- bigger payoff, whereas – this also helps explain how some of those highly rated Butch Jones classes did not pan out. You wrote about the 16 class. I mean, you know, th- this is this is part of why. And so that's where Tennessee fans should be optimistic. I'm not saying – And know, player get retention your, get your also. Playoff, yeah, player retention. Yeah, I'm not saying get your playoff tickets, you know, for 2021 or whatever, but, but that's, that's where it could be – you could really start to see that fork in the road here mm-hmm. if they keep recruiting like this and developing like this and all the things – all the, oh gosh, I'm not going to say culture. All the um, <laughs> infrastructure, you know. I'll say continues this continues as it is. You know, you talk about player retention. I think that was obviously an issue under Butch Jones. Pruitt and them have been here a little more than two years. They've had one player that they've signed that has transferred. Gerard Means. That that's telling to me. I it's think. almost freakish. It really, really is. And I, and I think you know you, you I, I, they were working the guys pretty hard. The old guys, and I think a lot of them respected it uh the ones that weren't on board you know you you don't want to talk about a guy you know cleaning house or whatever i don't think that's quite what we saw but just some guys were not with it but i think you know means that you can sign you know 2018 2019 you play all those guys you sign all those guys we'll see what 2020 holds but you can have two classes in two years especially the 2018 class where you're jumping on there late and you only have one guy transfer that you sign that's pretty impressive i think um, well, Joe, shifting gears, uh, we got we got to uh, we got to hit on it. I, I've written about it, so I didn't put it at the top of the show. Um, I'm informally calling it the Valzer Backgate. Uh, <laughs> I enjoy it. Say what you think. Uh, say what you mean. Phil Fulmer did that. I enjoyed it. I wrote about it. Uh, the sports better 
uh, our work is easier. I, I appreciate people's honesty. Um, two questions for you. One, he kind of threw it in at the end of an interesting evening. What did you make when you first saw it? And two, how did his comments, when I asked him about it the next day, affect how you viewed, you know what I'm saying? You know, the Vols are back. Well, first of all, I, I think at events like this, a lot of times you'll see comments that are a little bit more bold. A little, <laughs> I mean, you know, you're playing to the crowd. Yeah. So I, I, honestly, like, I, I found more entertainment in the uh, biting the asses comment. You know, I, I, I really, I really like that one better. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, of course, like you said, he, he kind of walked it back a little bit. Um, well, on our like, way back, Joe, on our way back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. By the way, tell me how that went, by the way. Was that, so I assume that was in, uh, it was in Nashville. Yeah. yeah it was in Nashville, but in it was Arrington. Like, so yeah. So basically was that you asking, that was me. Yeah. yeah. So your, it was your question. I think I had two questions for him essentially, which was one, like, why do you feel like Tennessee is back? You said these things. Like, what does that look like? And and two, when did you feel like you could say that? Because I think the day he takes the office and hires Jimmy Pruitt and he's sitting here in December of 2019, I'm not sure he's saying that. Or even if he's feeling that, you know, much less saying it. I don't think he felt that way. So my question was, when did you feel that way and, and what? why do you feel that way? He didn't really answer the second one. He was kind of like, well, you know, we're on our way back and, right. and so-and-so. He didn't – I think he realized he was in a position where he couldn't, like, bail out of it, but he couldn't, like, double down, so he kind of, like, straddled the fence a little bit. Uh, but the the why, I mean, he was talking a lot about, and you can read the story in The Athletic uh, kind of about why he feels that way, but it's a lot of university-level alignment. That was the most interesting thing I thought that he said talking about chancellor the president and that because that is as you know critical and has definitely not been yeah the thing here i think you know we can talk about all the sort of interpersonal politics that go into that i think when he says that i think you know at the core what it means is i'm phil fulmer i believe that if you pump a ton of money into football and we fix football everything else will will be fine and I think he's had people, certainly John Curry. I wasn't here for the others. I, I know John Curry's MO, uh, a smart dude who's, you know, good at balancing budgets, uh, not as great at managing coach relationships. Uh, I think Frank Martin would probably agree with me on that one. Um, but, you know, a guy that, that, that is not Phil Fulmer. He's not going to give you $2 million coordinators. He's not going to pay. He's not going to give Jim Chaney a $600,000 raise to steal him away from Georgia. Phil Former is, and he has leadership now that sort of is in line with him. Now, will this pay off long term? Is he correct? We'll see. Time will tell. He's in the SEC, but he, man. Yeah, but you he's give got football. Everything he's I got. Mean, you know, he was talking about the holistic, holistic approach of people understanding. Hey, if football gets better, the engineering department is going to have more applicants. They're going to have more funding. All of these things, and I think when he talks about things being aligned it's like he doesn't have to fight with them over every little thing um that he got and the, and the other comment i thought he was interesting beyond them talking and and understanding a holistic view of campus is you know when he talked about uh when he was there with uh you know doug dickey and, and joe johnson and bruce Pearl, he said you know they didn't you didn't always get everything that you wanted but you felt like they gave you if you just couldn't do it, you just couldn't do it. But you felt like they always pushed for it. He's like, and I don't think we had that over the last 10 or 12 years. I wasn't here, so I can't speak to it. Maybe you can a little bit more. But what, what do you make of him sort of, 
he was careful not to want to bury his predecessors, kind of like we were talking about early. But clearly, he is operating in an athletic department that is operating with a vision that he agrees with. And I think previously he would not have said that. Yeah, I mean, it's been like... I mean, it's been like a Rubik's Cube here. You got like this chancellor goes to this president and this AD, and you know, I mean, it's yeah. So, just the revolving door alone. Four makes presidents it, with six. Four presidents in six years is absolutely wild. Yeah. That, so, so you have all these changes and different viewpoints and politics, and it's already going to be very political. You already have your booster network, okay? Which vintage SEC, and I think Tennessee is right up there at the top. If we're ranking like interesting booster situations, okay. <laughs> So, you really you really need to be in lockstep when you talk about president, chancellor, AD, and listen. If you wanna if you wanna win in football, then you pretty much have to be everything goes to football. Yeah, I, I mean that's just the reality of it. So whether and it's funny, I was reading a reading some old stories. Um, I forget the number. There was a Washington Post story going back to like Johnny Major's era, and it was like. There's going to be a revolt on campus if he gets a raise and he was making, like, you know, 200000 This is, like, the <laughs> early 90s, you know? Was he an it, analyst? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, and, I mean you, that's just that's how life has gone. And um, so it, sound, it just sounds like Fulmer has people who are like, yeah, you know, I'm sure it's not just, like, rubber stamp anything you would ever say. But, you know, he knows how to win. He knows how to win at a high level. So, um that's promising, I think, for, for people who want this program to get back. I think you have to have that. And I think on the flip side, you know, when you look at how that, how that comment trickles down, there was this criticism that arose that, oh, he's putting all this pressure on Pruitt now. Uh, I think Pruitt's probably the perfect coach to handle that because Pruitt seems like a very bubble sort of situation. He's aware of what's going on. I don't think he cares all that much. He He'd would be just, like Nick Saban. There was a presidential election. <laughs> yeah, really? I didn't know. Yeah, but I think he, you know, he wants to recruit and then he wants to coach ball. Yep. And I think uh, when you have an AD that's that's saying those kinds of things, I mean, listen, we're gonna get into some more contrast between Butch Jones and, and Jerry Pruitt. Let's just say I think those two coaches would have handled that comment very differently. Whereas Jerry Pruitt, kind of like with the one they're going one and four. He wasn't really pressing the panic button privately, publicly. It was sort of just a, I don't know, I believe in what we're doing, trust the process, keep on keeping on. And I think the same thing goes for comments like these. I, he was he was quick to, to walk back kind of what, what, uh, what, what Fulmer says. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> um, but, you know, later in the night uh, at, you know, Arrington, this, uh, this wedding venue, which was uh, kind of cool, but a little weird for a recruiting event. But, uh, you know. A little romantic. Yeah, Pruitt, he got people fired up. You know, uh, I'm looking at his quote right now. Uh, his exact quote was, I'm trying to find it. Uh, yeah, it was the 8 and 5 quote. The 8 and yeah, 5 quote, yeah. Good for, quote. For everybody that's associated with Tennessee, we need to raise our expectations. I know everybody's excited about going five, 8 and 5 and finishing the year the right way. The people we're competing against, they're trying to kick us while we've been down, right? We've been kicked around a little bit. It's time for us to do a little bit of kicking ourselves. Without so making they got any, biting and kicking. Yeah, yeah. You, you're not making any grand proclamations, but no. let me tell you, in the building uh, and from people that I have – I mean, I've heard from multiple people, like, that's the best quote I've ever heard from him. Um, he got people fired up, and I think without really putting more of that pressure on himself, that I don't think he necessarily – 
probably feels. Um, but um, it goes along with the, it goes along with the uh, just the confidence. The confidence is up. You know, are they back all the way? Of course, they're not back all the way. But but both of those guys said things that let you know they feel they're feeling good about how things yeah. are going. You know, it's not just like the signing day. We got everyone we wanted in our targets and excellent <laughs> class. Like Built they, some great needs. They're feeling like okay, we're starting to get some guys, and we can start to do some stuff. Yeah, and I think too. The contrast is almost too on the nose when you talk about oh, Butch, Butch Jones yeah. versus because <laughs> Butch Jones, you know, I wouldn't say he wanted to throw a parade for going nine and four, but oh. he will. But he, he, I saw him hold up the like Bristol Motor Speedway trophy when they beat Virginia Tech, like he just won the Super Bowl. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> biggest yeah, crowd he, ever, he, Joe. Yeah. Biggest crowd ever. Oh, he would have absolutely. I mean, he would have told you all about the six wins in a row and how amazing they were. And on, on, on. yes, it's a very, it's an easy contrast. Yeah. And so I think that, that that was one of the reasons why I think that quote resonated so much with fans is it's like, yeah, he's aware, like, they went six in a row. And I think he's, you know, in his comments in the moment after the bowl game and, and, and leading up to that, he was aware that, hey, that was actually a pretty – even though they didn't really beat anyone of super consequence, that was a, an impressive accomplishment to win six in a row and dig yourself out of that hole and, and reach and maybe even exceed some people's expectations for the season despite the way you started and giving away two games. But eight and five, like right. eight and five. Jeremy Pruitt knows he was not hired to go eight and five, and I think, you know, uh, him acknowledging that and saying like, okay, that was fine, but like, keep on, you know, keep shoveling coal in. I, I think really uh, endeared him to the fan base. A big win for him. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, you've got to hold off on saying Jeremy Pruitt is just like world's better coach than Butch Jones until results tell you that he is. Yeah. But in terms of I mean, Butch's big problem was insecurity. And so he felt he had to remind everyone all the time of the good things that were going on. And Jeremy Pruitt, which in a very refreshing change, is sort of like, eh, it's no big deal. Let's just keep working. I always think it's interesting. How could a fan base not like that better? I think it's interesting, like, the the way that they sort of approach PR um, in general because they have good things happen that we don't even find out about. It's like the Brandon Kennedy thing at the bowl game. I asked Brandon Kennedy about, did you get your sixth year? Oh, yeah, I found out a couple weeks ago. Well, you know, I kind of asked around about that, and, and you know, kind of what I understood is that Butch, Butch would you have a press release, you might have a, you might have a press <laughs> conference. You know, it's different when Trey Smith comes back. That's obviously a decision he has to yeah. make. And the Kennedy thing was kind of long assumed, but it, it felt like, you know, I, I think it's in some ways emblematic of the attitude of the two programs. Like you said, I think the proof will be in the pudding eventually. Results. This is a results business. We'll see how that plays out and an over time. And increase access for the media, of course, which is even more important than wins and losses. Yes, of but, course. You know, that's course. a podcast for another day. <laughs> of course, uh, but it's um, you know it, it's it was a it was it's just interesting to see. I mean, everybody seems to hire you know, in, in elections and in, and in coaching searches, the opposite of whatever they just had. Yeah. And oh, I no think doubt. you, you know, in Jeremy, some way. Jeremy Pruitt, you know, it was pretty obvious that he was the opposite of Butch Jones the minute he got hired. But even as you're seeing years later, I mean, those, those, those sort of, you know, uh, antithesis of each other are only becoming more uh, emphasize as we see them operate their programs. They have both smoked cigars after wins over Tennessee. But that's, <laughs> that's about all I've got. Uh, well, Joe, we were both at Kentucky on Saturday for basketball. Uh, I have been less bullish than you on this team's NCAA tournament <laughs> hopes. I should say, in this week's bubble watch from uh, uh, our guy Eamon Brennan, Tennessee not included. Uh, 
they have obviously, you know, they got a nice win at Alabama. The, the A&M loss was huge. We talked about that. Where do you see this team the rest of the way? Are, are you still feeling like they can make a run to the tournament? Yeah, I wouldn't go bullish, but uh, <laughs> I'm not bullish at this point. But but I think a lot of people are like, that's it, they're done, and I disagree, absolutely. And, again, if you're going to say stuff like that, I want you to study all the other teams that are on the bubble. They, Fair. This team is not far from that. So I wrote this. I, I wrote a column about Euros Plavšić because I believe – that he has to be a key. He has to become something for this team. He has to – I mean, my gosh, how much time have we spent talking about this guy? And, like, he's basically – 11 minutes getting yanked yeah, constantly. Yeah, he's, he's got to. And I think Rick Barnes, I think he's probably going to have to – and I know Rick Barnes is the kind of coach that – and that's how he coaches. Like, you do it the right way or you do it with toughness or, you, you know, I, I'm going to take you out. But I, I th- if – you know, sometimes players get a little skittish when they think they're going to get pulled after – mistake and they don't play well they don't play them like themselves he's way too talented big uh good you know 240 pound body 75 wingspan to not matter he's got to matter but for this team um i i wrote this i believe if they if they win five of eight which won't be easy but you know can get be the guys done. to do that yeah they can that puts them at 18 13 they i think at least one of those wins needs to be against auburn and they have two with them or at kentucky like you know, a, a signature win Get to 18 and 13, get to Nashville, and know you have to do work still. But you, if you, you do chance. that, you got a chance going into Nashville to earn your way in, you know, with a, a really good quality win or two there in front of, you know, a lot of your own fans. So it, it's not hopeless. And honestly, I still like a lot of what this team has. Josiah James missing is hurting it. Obviously, the Monte Turner, that's a big loss. He's gone. They've, they've moved on. Vis, Viscovi has been really. A fun player to watch, and offensively, he's he's been a great asset. Defensively, you know, you saw Some late in that game against yeah. Kentucky. I, I mean, Ashton Hagens went wherever he wanted against him. I mean, yeah. he's not going to – he's not an on, a great on-ball defender right now. But I still think that there's enough there for this team to make a push. I'm not, I'm not getting the shovel out yet. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that they have going for them, you know, is that the SEC, you know, they can play with just about everybody. But today was the day – you know, Kentucky, I think, is probably one of those teams where the talent gap shows a little more. Um, but there's not, there haven't been many games this year at all where they show up and play, and you're like, oof, no. I don't know about. They, it's just they're not. You know, when you're not that great of a team, you're gonna end up losing some games. And if they're gonna make a run, they're gonna have to do something similar to kind of what football did, where a bunch of games that could go a number of ways end up going your way. Yep. Um, and, and that's what's going to have to happen, I think. And the one at Alabama was huge. I mean, this, we, yeah. this week, obviously, it's a downer. It ends with the loss of Kentucky. You know, Alabama is a team that's right in the same boat as you. Yeah. You just won on their floor. Road wins are, are valuable. They, they are definitely that, – that's a win that will be talked about in the committee room when they talk about Tennessee. So, don't dismiss that. But, but yeah, I mean – you're right, David. It's going to be there's going to be a lot of close games, and then who who makes the play? Jordan Bowden has a wide open three to cut it to two. I mean, the place would have gone nuts. He just he he's what else is there left three. to say with Bowden? I, I, and, and I look, don't he's, even know. I mean, he still had it at 18 points. He's taken to the hole. He did a lot of good things, but yeah, from three, it's in his head right now. Yeah, and that hurts his team a lot. You know, Eve Pons. I think they needed to get him involved more. I mean, Fulkerson is doing everything Fulkerson can do. He's like everybody fouls him all the time, and he's flailing all over the place, um, and. Yeah, he, he's he's terrific. Ten uh, he needs help, fouls though. in the first half. Yeah, that's Crazy. insane. That's insane. But he needs help. And, again, that, to me, I know there are other guys that they can bring off the other young bigs, but, I mean, but Plavsic to me is a guy who you look at, he's just different. And, and yeah. you know, he had that 16 points at Mississippi State, which was in a blowout, but, but he had some really good moments when that was still a game. 
and they, they, I think they that's a big thing. Just, and just to even take some minutes off everyone, too, if he's in that rotation, because those guys are really being loaded with minutes. Yeah. Well, Joe, I was in your neck of the woods last week. Another uh, place I haven't eaten in Nashville, David. This is impressive. You, <laughs> I have been mocking you for your uh, bad Nashvillian today. Uh, but So by circumstance or happenstance, I suppose I should say, uh, myself and our Oklahoma writer, Jason Kersey, who – known Jason a long time. Back when I was the Oklahoma beat writer in, at the Oklahoma in 2010, Jason was on the desk, uh, still in college. And so Jason and I have known each other a long time. Now Jason covers OU for us. He was there doing a story on Reggie Grimes um, and, and a couple other guys. So we went to the pharmacy and also to have a, a summit to discuss our, uh, our content plans for week two, Oklahoma and Tennessee. Oh, boy. Yeah, but uh, listen – I had heard great things about the pharmacy burger. Uh, I went create your own. I would been, I'd been told the farm burger was strong, but I, I have, I'll save my anti-country ham rant for another day. But I am as staunchly anti-country ham as any person can be, I suppose. So I don't want that on my burger. However, uh, I created my own. I went burger, bacon, cheddar, onion strings, and a maple mustard with some Ooh. ketchup. It was fantastic. Like legit, probably one of the five best burgers I've ever eaten in my entire life. I will be going back there the next time I'm in Nashville. I got to take my wife there. Fantastic, Joe. You got to get there. It's on. It's in East Nashville. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know Nashville super well, but it's just you know, it's Fair and Avenue. I'm, I'm yes. googling it. No, I, I, no. This, this is this is a place I've been told about. And that there you sounds go. Really good. There you go. I'm trying. I had. You said farm burger, right? The farm burger is like there's like an egg. I do. I'm pro fried egg on burgers. I just hate country ham in general. It's terrible. It's like beef jerky. I don't. I'm not a country ham guy. Uh, but I. But the farm burger, other than that, I think is is. Uh, I would have liked it. But I kind of wanted to. The maple mustard I was intrigued by. I always obviously bacon on a burger is pretty pretty standard. I like that. Uh, fries were good. Uh, it was fantastic, I, legit. I, I mean, I gotta go back there very, see, very soon. See, this is where I got thrown because there's also Farm Burger in Asheville, which is actually uh, okay. It's really good. It's a really good place. No, the Farm Burger um, is on the menu at Pharmacy, which I was told man. was good, but I did not realize until I got there that it had country ham on it, and I immediately hit the eject button. <laughs> I wonder if. Uh, I wonder if like that could be some kind of a lawsuit that 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 the I'm pharmacy intrigued. has a farm burger on its menu while farm burger. I assume they're sort of maybe they have a pharmacy burger on their menu. It's a quid pro quo situation. It's only fair if they do. <laughs> but I will say farm burger is really good. But yours sounded better. So yes, it's on the long list. To create of your own. I, need to go. I did. Of course, my wife and I we have recently adopted a puppy, and we were in Nashville to pick him up. And we did. I did get to go back to Pancake Pantry. You still haven't no, been there, boy. right? Well, I went there twice, and the line was too long. So, uh, like, at least we, I like tried to go there. I am more of a morning person than my wife, but my wife likes it so much. She hates. She's not a morning person at all. Granted, it helped being in Central Time, but we woke up at like seven thirty. We got there at eight and barely beat the line. Like, we got it right in. And then when we were leaving, the line was like 50 people on Wow, whatever. good job. But it's fantastic. I mean, it's, you know. You're doing Nashville much better than someone who lives there. <laughs> apparently, apparently. <laughs> but uh, that will do it for this week's episode of PFL. Uh, I, I, I sense intriguing times ahead for Tennessee football. I, I think, you know, I was talking to somebody about this earlier today. As far as the, the big picture Pruitt perspective, I've kind of been on the fence. And I think, you know, you look at recruiting, you look at the middle of the season, you look at kind of how they handle – just the bumps and 
the ups and downs of the season, you got to feel pretty good about Bruce James. Maybe not to win a national title or an SEC title, but you you've got people in charge. I think that are competent and can do some some big things eventually. You've got the pieces. Getting there is hard. Many programs that that jump from five wins to eight wins is much easier than the jump from ten wins to twelve or thirteen wins. And that's eventually I think where they're going to be in that nine ten win jump. And can they make that jump? Well, we'll be here chronicling it. So. Well, and I think especially <laughs> after Fulmer pulls a coup in July and takes over his coach, and I think then you get Obviously. those extra wins. Well, so, your offensive you know. line is going to get better, of course, naturally. <laughs> and you just you can you can now you can recruit with a, a national championship ring as a head coach. There you so go. Obviously, you we've know got the we've got the blueprint for you. <laughs> exactly, boss. exactly. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode. Again, if you like the show, rate, review, subscribe uh, on your Apple Podcast app. You can listen to the Athletic app. All those things. If you haven't subscribed. What's wrong with you? Get on the board. Get on the board. Get on the bus. We'll see you guys again very, very soon. Mm-hmm.